welcome to A Course in Miracles Daily Workbook Lessons for Regular People. I'm your host, Reverend Robin. This podcast is companion to my first one, which is A Course in Miracles for Regular People, where we read and discuss the text of A Course in Miracles. In this podcast, we read and discuss the daily workbook lessons that go with the course. I love these lessons and what they do for me and I love to discuss them with others who are on their journey to atonement. There's several ways that you can reach out to me if you'd like to chat. I'm on Twitter at ACIMFOR. I'm on Facebook at A Course in Miracles for Regular People. My email is ACIMDWLFRP. That's A Course in Miracles Daily Workbook Lessons for Regular People. ACIMDWLFRP at gmail.com or you can simply go to anchor.fm and leave a voice message and while you're there if you'd like you can make a donation to support this podcast and I'd really appreciate that now let's get started with today's lesson good morning today is lesson 154 I am among the ministers of God. I am among the ministers of God. Let us today be neither arrogant nor falsely humble. We have gone beyond such foolishness. We cannot judge ourselves, nor do we need to. These are but attempts to hold decision off and to delay commitment to our function. So when we are being falsely humble or arrogant we're doing that because we don't want to commit fully to our function here on earth continuing it is not our part to judge our worth nor can we know what role is best for us what can we do within a larger plan that we cannot see in its entirety Being arrogant or falsely humble is us putting ourselves in a position where we think that we belong. But like a lesson said the other day, that we can't see the whole picture. So we can't judge. Our part is cast in heaven, not in hell. And what we think is weakness can be strength. Yesterday's lesson said, in my defenselessness, my safety lies. We tend to think that if we don't defend ourselves, that that's weakness. But this is saying that it's actually strength. And that's what yesterday's lesson was saying too. Continuing, what we believe to be our strength is often arrogance. So we discover that we're good at something and we do it well and people benefit from it. That in and of itself is not the problem. When we start using that to make ourselves better than other people or higher than other people or more important than other people, that's when it turned into arrogance. Continuing, whatever your appointed role may be, 
It was selected by the voice for God, whose function is to speak for you as well. So the Holy Spirit, or the voice for God, part of his function is to speak for us as well. So he's the voice for God and the voice for God's Son. Continuing, seeing your strengths exactly as they are and equally aware of where they can be best applied for what, to whom, and when. He chooses and accepts your part for you. So because the Holy Spirit sees our strengths for exactly as they are, and he is also aware of where they can best be applied, what they can be for, and who can benefit from them and when. So he chooses and accepts our part for us. He, he sees the whole picture and he says, okay, what you have going on here will be of great benefit to this person over here. This is when you will meet up with them and when the whole thing will happen that will benefit both of you. So continuing, he does not work without your own consent, but he is not deceived in what you are and listens only to his voice in you. So the Holy Spirit is not deceived in what we are and he doesn't listen only to, or he doesn't listen at all to our distorted thoughts that say, oh, I'm better than that person, or oh, I'm worthless because I can't do this or that. He listens only to his voice in us because his voice is the voice for God and knows the truth. It is through his ability to hear one voice, which is his own, that you become aware at last that there is only one voice in you. And that one voice appoints your function and relays it to you, giving you strength to understand it, do what it entails, and to succeed in everything you do that is related to it. God has joined his son in this, and thus his son becomes his messenger of unity with him. So there is only one voice <coughs> within us, and that voice is the voice for God and the voice for us. The voice for God or the Holy Spirit sees what we're good at and who would benefit most from it. So it's like he says, okay, what you've got going on over here will be really beneficial for this person over here. So our, our function is appointed. Then the Holy Spirit relays that appointment to us and then he helps us to understand what our function is and helps us to do whatever we need to do to accomplish that appointment and to succeed in whatever we have to do to accomplish that appointment. So God has joined us in this and then together God, the Holy Spirit, and we, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we are his messengers of unity with him. <laughs>
Because when we understand what we're supposed to do, what is our function, and then we are led through it step by step, even if we're not aware of that leading, we are being partners with God in sharing the message of unity. Continuing, it is this joining through the voice for God of Father and Son. So it is the joining of the Father and Son through the voice for God that sets apart salvation from the world. It is this voice which speaks of laws that the world does not obey, which promises salvation from all sin with guilt abolished in the mind of God that creates that created sinless. So because we are joined with the Father through his voice, through the Holy Spirit, and it is this one voice that speaks of laws that the world does not obey, and the world does not obey these because it thinks it's separate. And it's not like laws that, oh, if you break this law, you're going to get punished. It's not like that. It's just like the laws of the universe. They just are what is. So, and these laws promise salvation from all sin with guilt abolished in the mind that God created sinless. So God created our minds sinless. But if we think we're guilty, then we separate ourselves from God. And that is what this voice for God, that is the one voice and our voice. When that voice is heeded, all guilt is abolished in our minds. Continuing. Now this mind becomes aware of get, again of who created it and of his lasting union with itself. So when we get this revelation, our minds become aware of who created them and of our lasting union with the Creator. So is its self, true self, capital S, the one reality in which its will and that of God are joined. So the mind that is aware again of who created it and of the lasting union between itself and God, that is the true self in which its will and that of God are joined. Continuing, a messenger is not the one who writes the message that he delivers, nor does he question the right of him who does, nor ask why he has chosen those who will receive the message that he brings. It is enough that he accept it, give it to the ones for whom it is intended, and fulfill his role in its delivery. If he determines what the messages should be, or what their purpose is, or where they should be carried, he is failing to perform his proper part as bringer of the word. <clears throat> so, through, because 
the voice for God has joined God and his son, us. We are messengers together with God. So we are the messenger with God in us. And we have God's message to deliver. We did not write the message. And we don't get to question the right of God who wrote the message. And we don't ask why specific ones are chosen to receive the message that we bring. But it is enough that we accept it to give it to the ones for whom it is intended and to fulfill our role in the delivery of the message. If we determine what messages should be or what their purpose is or where they should be carried, then we are failing to perform our proper part as bringer of the word. That reminds me of principle of miracles. Number four, it says, all miracles mean life and God is the giver of life. His voice will direct you very specifically. You will be told all you need to know. And that's part of what all of that is explaining. And principle of miracles number five, miracles are habits and should be involuntary. They should not be under conscious control. Consciously selected miracles can be misguided. That's why we are not, it's not up to us to decide what the message is or who receives it or when. That's not our place. Our place is to be guided by the Holy Spirit. And that's not necessarily a voice in our mind saying, okay, Today at two o'clock, go to the next town over and look for a woman wearing a blue dress with orange shoes. It's not necessarily that. It is often just the next logical step. And I've shared these things before, but it's like this. Like one day I was on the phone and I was talking with my sister and I was getting ready to go somewhere. And I couldn't find my sneakers. And I kept thinking about brushing my hair. But I kept telling myself, no, I need to find my sneakers. After I find my sneakers, I'll go brush my hair. I was walking around the house, looking everywhere for like 10 minutes, looking for my sneakers. And then I remembered that the night before when I took a shower, I left my sneakers in the bathroom. So if I would have listened to go brush my hair, at the beginning, I just would have gone in, brushed my hair. Oh, there's my sneakers. And I would have saved myself 10 minutes of frustration. So it's not up to us to decide who or where or when or what to share. The message of unity with God is the miracle that is not under conscious control. So again, I think that it's not God's will for us to like gather together in groups and go to Walmart and walk around the store praying for people. I mean, if, if we really feel, you know, if we're in Walmart and we see someone who apparently needs healing and 
we just feel the, the desire, the urge with no fear to just go and pray for that person, then that would be an unconsciously controlled thing where God is asking us to share the message of unity with this person. So, continuing. There is one major difference in the role of heaven's messengers which sets them off from those the world appoints. The messages that they deliver are intended first for them. And it is only as they accept them for themselves that they become able to bring them further and to give them everywhere that they were meant to be. So, I really like this. It kind of says what I just said. There is one major difference in the role of heaven's messengers, which sets them apart from those the world appoints. So, if you're going to church and somebody says, I want you and you and you to come with me and we are going to Walmart this Thursday to pray for people, that's the world appointing messengers. The difference here is that when we receive the revelation, the understanding of the message, and it becomes real for us, that's the difference. Heaven's messengers, we receive the messages for ourselves first. And then we can accept them and bring them to other people. Continuing, like earthly messengers, they do not write the message they bear, but they become their first receivers in the truest sense, receiving to prepare themselves to give. Jesus said to his disciples in the Bible, freely you have received, freely give. Continuing, an earthly messenger fills his role by giving all his messages away. The messengers of God perform their part by their acceptance of his messages for themselves and show that they understand the messages by giving them away. They choose no roles that are not given them by God's authority, by his authority. And so they gain by every message that they give away. Would you receive the messages of God? For thus do you become his messenger. Yes, God, I want to receive your messages. I want to be your messenger. I want to receive your lessons, your messages for myself and to share them with those that you bring me to. Continuing, you are now appointed, or actually you are appointed now, and yet you wait to give the messages that you have received. And so you do not know that they are yours and do not recognize them. No one can receive and understand that he has received until he gives. For in giving is his own acceptance of what he received. You who are now the messengers of God receive his messages. For that is part of your appointed role. God has not failed to offer what you need, nor has it been left unaccepted. 
Remember earlier it said the voice for God is also our voice. And he brings us the messages and speaks for God and speaks for us. For God has not failed to offer what we need, nor has it been left unaccepted. Yet another part of your appointed task is yet to be accomplished. He who has received for you the messages of God would have them be received by you as well. For thus do you identify with him and claim your own. He who received the messages of God for you would have them received by you as well. And in this way, we identify with him and then we can receive those messages for ourselves and claim them for ourselves. Continuing, it is this, it is this joining that we undertake to recognize today. We will, this is the purpose of today's lesson, this joining of the voices. We will not seek to keep our minds apart from him who speaks for us, for it is only our voice that we hear as we attend him, as we listen to him. We alone can speak. He, he alone can speak to us and for us. Joining in one voice and getting Joining in one voice the getting and the giving of God's word, the giving and receiving of his will. We practice giving him what he would have, that we may recognize his gifts to us. This is what we're doing today. We are practicing giving God what he would have so that we would recognize his gifts to us. Continuing, he needs our voice that he may speak through us physical bodies don't often hear spiritual words. So God needs physical bodies to convey his words so that other physical bodies can hear them. He needs our hands to hold his messages and carry them to those whom he appoints. He needs our feet to bring us where he wills that those who wait in misery may be at last delivered, and he needs our will united with his own, that we may be the true receivers of the gifts that he gives. What is that prayer somewhere in the text? And it says, So I had to stop and find that prayer. And it's not in the text, it's in Lesson 71. It says, What would you have me do? Where would you have me go? What would you have me say? And to whom? So God needs our physical bodies to convey his message. It's not our message, it's his message. Freely we have received, freely we will give. And as we give, we receive. Continuing, let us only learn this lesson for today. We will not recognize what we receive until we give it. 
You have heard this said a hundred ways, a hundred times, and yet belief is still lacking. But this is sure. Until belief is given it, you will receive a thousand miracles and then receive a thousand more, but will not know that God himself has left no gift beyond what you already have, nor has denied the tiniest blessing to his son. What can this mean to you until you have identified with him and with his own? Our lesson for today is stated thus. I am among the ministers of God, and I am grateful that I have the means by which to recognize that I am free. The world recedes as we light up our minds and realize that these holy words are true. They are the message sent to us today from our Creator. Now we demonstrate that they have changed our minds about ourselves and what our function is. For as we prove that we accept no will that we do not share, our many gifts from our Creator will spring to our sight and leap into our hands and we will recognize what we received. I am among the ministers of God and I am grateful that I have the means by which to recognize that I am free. Thank you for that means. And I would ask you, what would you have me do? Where would you have me go? What would you have me say? And to whom? Brothers and sisters, today I wish you a day of giving and receiving and recognizing what that is. Many blessings. Namaste.